Welcome to the Stranded Sports Podcast. Nick here today welcoming you to another episode. This week we have our first professional athlete on the show, Josh Spence, a former MLB pitcher for the San Diego Padres, joins us and he is in an incredible interview, let me tell you. Guy had a lot of good stories, had a great time being here. You can just tell he loved sharing his story. He kept thanking us, and we're like, no, no, thank you. Like, you're doing us a favor. And he just kept on thanking us. So this is exactly why we do what we do, though. I mean, you know, people always say what made you want to start a podcast and, you know, what makes you want to get a job in the sports industry. And it's things exactly like this, you know, just sharing the story of athletes and hearing them tell you know, us and share their stories with, you know, maybe a new audience and bring more awareness to, you know, what they overcame in order to get to where they ended up at. And this interview just really shows the journey of Josh Spence talking about his journey from Australia to the MLB, time in the minors and college ball, and eventually just talking to us about, you know, that call up to the MLB and difficulties, uh, you know, that you face in the MLB versus the minor leagues and things of all sorts of that nature just a great interview a great guy uh josh spence big thank you for coming on this show uh some household stuff i guess follow us stranded underscore sports uh blog content gonna have a lot more going up now i think we're all focused finals are over so definitely going to have more blog content going up check out our new podcast have an opinion at h uh, pod uh podcast that is h-a-o podcast on twitter a uh, new episode of that should be going up. Well, the first episode of that, I should say, should be going up in about a week or two. And yeah, additionally, I hope you're doing better than Earl Thomas. I think it'd be hard to not be doing better than Earl Thomas. But uh, hopefully you're all doing well, staying safe, staying healthy. And yeah, I hope you all enjoy the NFL schedule being released tonight, giving us some hope, which I think we all kind of need right now. Uh, and UFC starts this weekend, I believe. There are big... Uh, chain of events starts this weekend i threw some money down feeling good felt that rush again i haven't felt that rush in a while <laughs> so hopefully we get back to the winning ways in terms of gambling anyway i've been talking way too much anyway thank you for checking us out any new listeners welcome to the show this is the stranded sports podcast and right now you're going to hear our interview with josh spence take care everybody welcome to the stranded sports podcast nick connor and tyler here today jack o'brien is on assignment but as you might have known if you pay any attention to our social media which i'd like to think you do um we are not alone here today tyler you actually reached out to this guest so i'm gonna let you take the honor of introducing him on today's show that's right i reached out to him uh, last week uh, please welcome to the stranded sportscast former mlb pitcher josh spence hey guys how we doing we're doing well. How are you? Oh, fantastic. Thank you. No problem. Uh, we're gonna. I hope everyone at home was clapping. I was clapping, muted my mic, and <laughs> we'll know if you clapped or not. So don't don't say that you didn't be liars. But I'll know. Um, but uh, anyway, how's everything going, Josh? How are you? Uh, I'm doing well, thank you. Right now, I am hanging out in Geelong, Victoria, which is uh, yeah, down in the southeast part of Australia, and. Uh, yeah, just trying to make the most of my time, not that there's anything really going on. And yeah, just got my fingers crossed for baseball to start back up soon. Oh, yeah. I think we all do. Um, <laughs> that's right. We've gone international, by the way. <laughs> uh, so a big thank you for uh, coming on. And uh, if you're ready, we'll get right into the questions. Yes, please. Fire away. And uh, in case you uh, 
couldn't tell um you can joke around have fun we're not uh we're not too formal here so just let loose and have a good time ah, too easy. <laughs> right. sounds great <laughs> that's what we like to hear all right so uh just tell us how you got into baseball and uh how your journey in baseball kind of brought you to america oh okay so uh i'll start from when i was uh, about seven or eight i had tried a bunch of australian sports and i was terrible at them i tried cricket uh, australian rules football a little bit of rugby uh, my parents were big tennis players, but um, yeah, just nothing really, uh, really stuck. And then one day uh, I tried t-ball and I fell in love with the game and then t-ball progressed into baseball. And uh, yeah, next thing I know, I was competing at a pretty high level here in Australia, made a few national teams as a teenager. And then I kind of came to a fork in the road where uh, I had an opportunity to sign professionally. We're allowed to sign professionally at the age of 16, six months here. Uh, in Australia and I uh, was approached by the Minnesota Twins and um, it really kind of opened my eyes to I actually might have some some talent in this game if I'm getting noticed by these clubs but then at the same time uh, my aunt and uncle had just got work in New York and a lot of their colleagues kept prying and asking uh, where Josh was going to go to play college baseball so uh at the, again, I kind of had a tough decision to make because I was researching colleges. I really had no traction in that route. But, uh, but uh, yeah, just, again, having the, the decision really, uh, yeah, really opened my eyes. And the more I researched college, the more I wanted to pursue that route before I had an opportunity to play professionally. And thankfully, it, it, it all worked out. But uh, I just, I'm very glad that it kind of feels a coincidence that that my uh, relatives got work in New York and again opened my eyes to the college route. I'm very thankful to I was able to use that as a stepping stone to get acclimated uh, to life in America and then use that uh, that stepping stone to flourish in professional baseball. Sounds great. Awesome. Yeah, very great. <laughs> um, so you come to a fork in the road. Um, you get into college. What drove you to move to Arizona and choose Arizona State? So uh, this is around uh, 2003, 2004. I was uh, kind of researching schools. And again, it's kind of, I don't know if ignorance is the right word, but I was looking for a school on the West Coast just because I thought it'd be easy travel. Uh, the main port I fly into is LA coming from Australia across the Pacific. So I was looking for a school on the West Coast and then uh, Kind of a few dot points on my checklist were I wanted to go somewhere where it was nice weather all year round, uh, and Arizona definitely uh, met that criteria. And then what I thought was uh, really fascinating about uh, Arizona was spring training baseball is conducted there. So um, I think it was about 15 teams at the time. Now it's 16 teams do spring training there, and I thought that if I go to school in the state, I'll be able to kind of duck off and. Uh, check out some spring training baseball and kind of understand what that life is about and again further educate myself with some life experience and uh yeah that's kind of the two big criterias and then i found arizona state because obviously they were competing at a very high level uh at that time so uh yeah it just seemed like a a, a rich history of a program to kind of build my resume if I had the opportunity to go there. Now, I did a baseball camp there in 2005 when I graduated high school, and they said I wasn't good enough to play at Arizona State, but uh, during that, that workout I had there, uh, the camp, 
there was a junior college coach in the stands that just happened to be in the area uh, who was at head coach at the time at Central Arizona. His name's John Wente. He's now uh, the associate head coach slash pitching coach at University of Texas Arlington. And uh, he saw something in me, and I'm very thankful for it. So even though I, I went over with aspirations to go play at Arizona State as a freshman, uh, came back with a scholarship from uh, Central Arizona and, yeah, took that opportunity and, again, was able to use that as a, a stepping stone to play at, at ASU. Very cool, very cool stuff. Um, so continuing on in your college career, I noticed one specific point. Uh, after coming back from injuries during your junior year, um, you had a spectacular outing, throwing a, throwing a complete game victory against Clemson. Oh, thank you. Um, sending your team to <laughs> Omaha. And you described that experience to us. Oh, I mean, uh, gosh, it's a little in, indescribable. I, I was blessed to be around some really, I mean, really good teammates uh, guys like Austin Barnes, Cole Calhoun, Mike Leake, Jason Kipnis. So, uh, to, to be honest with you, I, <laughs> it's, um, I, I pitched okay, but it was a big team effort. And uh, you work for that moment for the 50-game the schedule to be in a position to, to be able to pitch your team into the College World Series. And, uh, gosh, I, to be honest with you, I, I hate to throw out the cliche answers, but... Um, yeah, it's just a very exciting moment and uh, just a great group of guys to do it with. Well, yeah, going off of that, you know, what was it like playing in that College World Series? Uh, you know, I'm a sucker for the old ballparks. So uh, to be able to play at the old Rosenblatt Stadium um, and, again, just the history of, of players who have played there and then gone on to play professionally uh, – it was just, uh, it's something that, I, again, I, I, I know this doesn't make for good radio, but I, it's indescribable because um, you, you just, you work, it's, it's like, uh, <laughs> you work for that moment and then you finally get it. You just, you just try and live in the moment as much as you can, but it's, it's a very exciting time to be in Omaha and the city gets around the, uh, gets around the tournament like uh, nothing I've ever seen before and just really nice people and. Yeah, an incredible. Even though we didn't finish uh, how we wanted, again, a credible learning experience for uh, for opportunities that arise in the future. Right, and so I guess um, you know you come over from Australia and you're playing baseball the whole time you're in America. Did it ever really hit you like how quickly everything happened from you know coming to the United States and then? I guess all of a sudden being on college baseball's biggest stage. Did it ever really was there a moment that really it hit you? Oh gosh! I, to be honest with you, I think it's still sinking in to this day. I'm 32. It's been yeah 10 years since I've uh, played college baseball. Um, again, yeah, it's still some of those moments are sinking in. I kind of prided myself on just staying in the moment and not trying to get too uh, caught up in the excitement. Um, I think that's yeah just kind of how I was ingrained as a player, just to kind of almost be robotic, like show no emotion and. Um, and I didn't want to, again, overwhelm myself. So I think it's fun to reminisce now because at the time I, I kind of, I, I wouldn't say I shrugged it off, but just, Hey, this is what I'm here to do. But now when I get to look back and, and watch old videos and reminisce, it's, yeah, it's a pretty neat moment. And, um, yeah, just again, thankful. I was with a good group of guys to, 
to be able to compete at a high level and have an opportunity to play in the College World Series. Right, and so obviously you get drafted and you spend some time in the minors. What's minor league baseball like? I mean, we hear stories about it, you know, the traveling on the bus and things like that. But from a player's perspective, I mean, is how fun is minor league baseball? I mean, <laughs> it's a grind. It's a, you got to love baseball. Seriously, <laughs> I was expecting you gotta, you an answer like it. that. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, I know it looks glamorous from the outside, and don't get me wrong, there are portions that are, um, yeah, that are incredible but uh it's a tough lifestyle uh and it's a bit of a revolving door especially at the lower minor league levels so um there's always that threat that they're bringing in new guys with the draft they're signing international players they're signing free agents uh there's kind of the trickle down effect when they make moves at the higher levels so um you try and enjoy the moment as much as you can but you you understand that even though i'm on this one team i'm kind of playing for the other 29 as well and it's a it's a very interesting feeling because uh you play your whole life through uh like club ball and college baseball and it's such a team orientated environment i'm not saying there isn't that aspect in minor league baseball but a lot of it is predicated on how can i make myself look good so i can get that promotion and get towards my end goal uh playing major league baseball so um yeah it's 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 a different beast but I've made some incredible friends and uh, was able to network with some incredible people and definitely shaped who I am today. And I'm very thankful for that. Awesome. So um, you went from double A right to the majors, correct? I did. Yes. All right. So you have that in your mind. And also you're the 29th player from Australia to get called up to the uh, major league. So, I mean, how much of an honor was that for you, not only to, you know, jump AAA, but then, you know, have that pride of your country there, too? Um, oh, gosh, yeah, it was it was a shock. In fact, I was, uh, just to give you a little backstory, uh, the team I was playing with was the San Antonio Missions, and we were playing a series down in Corpus Christi, and I had no idea that I was even in line for a promotion. I knew I was throwing the ball well, but uh, it was my first full season, and I just had very low expectations and I think maybe it was that mentality that was able to help me flourish that I was just very happy to be where I was I wasn't really looking to to go anywhere else and uh yeah we're down in Corpus Christi it was a four-game series uh we're three hours drive away we're going back home at the end so I literally packed a pair of jeans maybe two college shirts and a t-shirt and uh and next thing I know, the game three of the series, I get called into the office after after the game and get told, "Hey, you're you're going to the big leagues." And uh, yeah, I just it, I think I say this not maliciously, but it was a shock. Like I uh, I knew I had the talent to play there, but just you just uh, yeah, it was it really caught me off guard, and uh, you you fill up with a lot of emotion because um, again, being an international player. Uh, coming from a country that doesn't have a lot of major leaguers, uh, yeah, you want to be able to do your country proud, and then, uh, yeah, just again, you you want to you want to prove why they they called you up. So you, you kind of put a little bit more expectation on yourself than than you should. But uh, once I got up there, I was surrounded by uh, a very good mentor in Heath Bell, and uh, he uh, kind of took me under his wing and kind of helped me with the mental game and the physical game of how to compete at that level and uh without his 
tutelage in the bullpen, uh, who knows how long my stint would have been. Wow, that sounds great. Yeah, that sounds like pretty crazy. And, you know, right, you got called up, and then all of a sudden you get the call from the bullpen that you're going into the game. What was that like taking the mound for the first time in the MLB? Oh, gosh. So uh, it was in the friendly confines of San Diego, which is a little bit of a pitcher-friendly park. So <laughs> I was going in full of confidence. Uh, the first three hitters I faced were uh, Jason Haywood, Chipper Jones, and Brian McCann. And I was able to have some success. But uh, I just, yeah, I remember sitting out there in the bullpen, uh, kind of watching the game unfold. We had about a 10-run lead at the time. So I kind of knew that it's probably the situation that I could pop my cherry here. And uh, as the lineup kind of unfolded, uh, they finished the eighth inning with lefty, switch, lefty. So in the back of my head, I mean, you always want to prepare. That's one of the things Heath kind of taught me is you always want to, whenever the phone rings, you want to make sure that you think it's your name that's going to get called. You don't want to ever get caught off guard. So again, I was as the game unfolded, it was the situation for a left-handed pitcher to come in. Um, and when the phone rang, I, I was like, yep, they're, they're calling my name. And sure enough, uh, Spence get hot. And uh, yeah, I just... It was one of those moments you, you I mean, thankfully, it's kind of you blink and you'll miss it. So, I mean, it could, it could have unfolded a lot worse. But, uh, but yeah, just, just got prepared. I had butterflies like you wouldn't believe. Um, I, it, it looked like I'd seen a ghost. Some of the guys in the bullpen <laughs> would describe me as like I didn't even know where the door was to enter the field. It, <laughs> it, it seemed like I was, I was very nervous. Um, but as I was running into the field, uh, I kept my head down and just, hey, I'm not going to get caught up in the moment until until we get that third out or whenever I get taken out of the game. And, um, <laughs> yeah, I was able to execute my pitches at a high click and were able to get uh, three quick outs, which was, um, yeah, it was, it was an incredible experience. It sounds like it. I'm still chuckling at the not knowing where the door part is. <laughs> Because that, that's something I would do. Um, when I played baseball, which, um, believe it or not, I was a pitcher, and uh, I tripped going to the mound one time, my first appearance after begging my coach to let me pitch the whole season. So that was, uh, I, I can relate to that. Um, but you talked about already, you know, the first three batters you face are Jason Hayward, Chipper Jones, and Brian McCann. Uh, you strike out Jason Hayward, you know, right away. I mean, what what on earth is going through your mind? I know you guys were up big in that game. And you kind of touched on it earlier, but I mean, how do you remain cool in a situation like that, knowing you're going to face the best of the best right away? Oh, uh, good poker face, I think. Um, because <laughs> the, the the funny thing is, is I grew up wearing a Chipper Jones jersey. That was my very first baseball jersey I got. It was a Atlanta Braves Chipper Jones. Um, yeah. So wow, to what a to see that, oh, geez, I'm about to. He's about to be the second hitter I face. Uh, I'm not going to lie, you know, I got starstruck, like, uh, man, this is a guy I idolized growing up, and now I get to, to face him, um, yeah, it's just, it's it's hard to, again, I'm, I'm sorry, it's just hard to describe, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's overwhelming, but it's like, oh, I get the opportunity to, to live my dream, and um, it's, yeah, it's an incredible feeling, and yeah, right now, I'm, I'm in the process of finding out what my next big leagues is and working towards that 
really cool, really cool stuff there. Uh, it has to be something to pitch against somebody you know you idolized as a uh, child uh, for the first time, especially in your first outing. Uh, so retracing back to kind of your minor league days, uh, obviously uh, playing in the MLB is is a lot different than playing in the minors. Uh, but what were some of the biggest differences that you noticed? Uh, well, the first one's travel. I mean, uh, travel is uh, catered for you quite well at the major league level. In fact, uh, after the series is done, you're pretty much jumping on a bus and the bus is pulling right up to a plane and then you jump on the plane and you're you're at your next location, whereas at the minor leagues, it's you're, you're jumping. It's only a bus, and uh, those trips can be. I've been on some that have been 10, 12 hours long, where it's <laughs> you. Uh, yeah, you got to make the most of it, and um, and then get the body ready to compete the next day. Uh, then, uh, from a nutrition standpoint, I mean, the meals um, just get get much much better. Uh, the higher you go up, and then once you get to the major league level, yeah, you're you're eating pretty good, which is a very important component as a professional athlete. At the minor league level, I, it it's slowly evolving now, but gosh, back yeah, back ten years ago, um, yeah, there wasn't a whole lot of uh, oh gosh, budget towards the nutrition aspect, and um, yeah, looking back, uh, it's one of those things. Oh, I wish I kind of dedicated uh, my earnings a little bit probably a little bit better towards that aspect of my game because it's it's one of those one percenters that can definitely help separate you uh and then uh gosh I, the atmosphere of the ballparks i mean once you get from double a above are, are pretty good but playing in a field where it has that third tier um is uh something else um yeah so those are probably the three biggest factors uh yeah from uh, going from the minor league level to the major league level Right, and I think uh, we might have expected some of the ones like travel and food. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> so let's go back. Uh, growing up in Pitt, well, not growing up in Pittsburgh, near Pittsburgh, you know, PNC Park is beautiful. And yep. that's always mentioned in the top parks in the whole league. But San Diego's up there as well. So what was your favorite place to play? And, you know, what was it like playing in San Diego, that beautiful stadium they have there? I mean, yeah, San Diego is an incredible climate to be able to uh, maintain a ballpark, and it's just a beautiful field in general. And it's one of the newer ones, actually. Uh, so uh, I know it's it's within it's under 30 years old. Uh, so yeah, it's a it's relatively new. And uh, I guess my my favorite ballpark to play in. I'm a sucker for again the old ballpark. So when I got called up, we went to we were uh, playing at Fenway Park against Boston. So uh, to be able to have the opportunity to go inside the Green Monster and, um, you know, be in the same clubhouse as some pretty nostalgic baseball players have been in, um, you know, just, again, being the same same footprints as them was a pretty special feeling. But I think uh, one of the fun ballparks I played in were was against the uh, San Francisco Giants. And at the time, in 2011, 2012, that's when they were making their World Series runs and they're always sellout games, uh, especially being in division. And uh, it was a very exciting uh, atmosphere, not only during the game, but during batting practice. So uh, during batting practice, a lot of people would come out early. In fact, uh, they would make like these makeshift kind of fishing lines with uh, pots and pans where they uh, baseballs that would come close to the warning track, they would try and scoop them up as quick as they can. And there was a lot of banter going back and forth, and yeah, it was just a really fun place to to compete at. 
Awesome, and that that definitely is on my bucket list. I'm sure I speak for everyone else on the show and listening to to head to Fenway if uh, they haven't been there already. Yeah, you've talked uh, about. (laughs) Go ahead, Tyler. Oh yeah, I went there. You know, I went there over the summer. Actually, I saw them play the Rays, and that was just an unreal experience. It's definitely a bucket list stadium. You know, especially seeing the monster and all that, and all the history that's gone in that stadium. So yeah, I can agree with you on that one. So, um, Josh, you've kind of talked about, uh, you know, being a big fan of the history of the game, and you've kind of touched on how Chipper Jones, you know, is someone you idolize. But in terms of pitching, who did you look up to and try to emulate when you were on the mound? Oh, gosh. Um, well, I as I go curveballs. Oh, no, they're great questions. Uh, Punt completely <laughs> no, pun, no, no. <laughs> I, uh, when I was really focusing stuff. on, uh, what I could do with my attributes, a pitcher that kind of really stood out was Jamie Moyer. Um, just how he was able to compete uh, for two decades, uh, throwing fastballs uh, in the mid to low 80s, uh, sometimes in the high 70s towards the end of his career and still have success. I, that's something I, I really admired. But I guess coming up as a, as a teenager, I liked watching guys like uh, Randy Johnson, Pedro Martinez, uh Gosh, Roger Clemens, um, just guys who were fastball dominant and they weren't afraid to pitch inside. I think, uh, although that wasn't really part of my game, uh, I loved watching pitchers be able to do that. And it was kind of, um, there's definitely uh, pitchers who have attitude uh, in a good way uh, currently, but there's something about pitchers in the 80s and the 90s, how they just had this kind of, primal authoritivity about themselves uh, that was just very intimidating and that was something that uh, I would try and emulate even though again I didn't have the attributes as they did just that whole mentality that again it's primal and I'm going to try and intimidate you with with what I've got yeah I mean that sounds like you know exactly what you want that's a great mindset to have especially going on the mound so you know and we talked about, you know, let's backtrack a little bit. You talked about how, like, the story when you didn't know where the door was. Uh, talk about your career. You know, what? <laughs> do you have any other funny stories or good road trip stories from your career that you want to elaborate on? Oh, okay. oh, oh the, the one that really comes to mind is uh, when I got my first suit at the major league level. So uh, Heath, again, Heath Bell was an incredible mentor for me. Um, there's a reason that guy pitched at the major league level for as long as he did. Uh, and he, the very first day I get there, um, again, I get called up and I've got a pair of jeans and a couple college shirts. And when you travel at that level, it's, uh, usually it's a sports coat or some type of suit. So the very first thing he wanted, he asked me is, Hey, we're traveling tomorrow. Do you have a suit? And I go, Oh no, I just got, you know, my, my college shirt and a pair of jeans. He goes, okay. So tell me what your size is and before the game I'm going to go get you a suit uh, I'm I'm like oh my god that's thank you so much you know that's that's so nice of you well what he ended up doing before the game this is we're in Boston he ended up going to an op shop and you know like a Salvation Army store and he picked up probably the first two things he uh he saw it was like a lime green jacket with baby blue slacks like they didn't match <laughs> They didn't fit like it, 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 
he teed me up pretty good. Like, oh, you know, send me your measurements. You know, send, hey, what size are you? You know, no, he he just went and picked the first two items he got. And uh, he's like, okay, after the game, there'll be a suit, you know, in your locker for you. I'm like, oh, wow, this is oh, this is incredible. And next thing you know, after the game, everyone had a pretty good laugh um, that, <laughs> that I pretty much looked like a bum um, on the plane. But uh, when we got back to San Diego, uh, he got a tailor in, and I actually got tailored for a really nice suit. And um, yeah, it was just—it was really fun. How again, it was a great prank, but um, and then but then he ended up being a really nice guy to uh, to hook me up like that. But uh, that's probably probably one of my better stories. I mean, I wouldn't expect anything else from the guy that you know sprinted into the mound in his all-star appearance uh, that one time. I remember him like sprinting in and sliding in. So he seems like a character guy out there. So that's that sounds like a great story, and you know, definitely a classic rookie hazing story there. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so back to the uh, intimidation factor that we uh, talked about. Obviously, pitchers that you admired back in the '90s, and they had that it factor to them. Um, now back to the pitching side of it. Who was the toughest batter that you think you've ever faced? Oh gosh, uh, I was able to face Todd Helton a few times when he was playing with the Rockies, or he only played with the Rockies, and uh, that was probably one of the tougher outs. I just remember, I mean, my my go-to pitch was my slider, and uh, to get guys out, I'd throw it off the plate or below the zone, and he just always had a knack of spitting on it below the zone, or if it was a foot or two outside, he would still somehow get a barrel to it. So it just felt like, you know, again, you you want to go into the game knowing that, hey, my best stuff is going to beat this hitter regardless. But it, there was definitely moments when I'd face him going, oh, man, like even when I throw my best pitch, he's going to cover it. So, uh, yeah, that was probably one of the tougher outs, uh, especially being left on left. You know, I thought the advantage would be to myself, but no, he – he hung in there really well against my pitches. And again, there's, there's a reason he was able to have so much success over a long period of time at, at the major league level. That's yeah, that was probably one of my tougher outs. Uh, there is a reason that Todd Helton was in the league. So long. you hit the nail on the head there, obviously, um, definitely one of my favorite players growing up. I still have a figurine of him up in my room. Um, no disrespect <laughs> to you though, of course. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> You've mentioned a couple vital people through your career that helped you out and once you got to the MLB. So who would you consider your favorite teammate in your career? And if it's hard to choose, list a bunch of them. You, you know, don't don't play favorites. Gosh. <laughs> um, well, I, I spent a lot of time around the younger guys. So uh, one person that really comes to mind that we, we would stand next to each other during batting practice, we would sit next to each other uh, in the bullpen was uh, Brad Brock, who's currently with the New York Mets. Yes, sir. And just kind of going through. Oh yeah, just going through. Uh, kind of. That's our uh, reaction when the, he says he's a Mets fan <laughs> too. <laughs> no, there's nothing wrong. Nothing wrong with the Mets. Come on now. And uh, he. Uh, oh no. <laughs> he just to be able to kind of go through each other's success and failures together and um, learn from each other's experiences as rookies. Uh, whether it was on the field or off the field, I, I think that was, yeah, someone who, yeah, I was, I was, I'm very glad to have that, that relationship. And we, we connected in double a, um, you know, before we got called up. So we, we had that prior relationship and then we're both wearing major league uniforms and 
um, yeah, that was that's probably a guy that that really stands out. Someone who I uh, I still kind of catch up or I still catch up with and play catch with uh, is a guy named Casey Kelly. He originally was drafted by Boston, got traded over to the Padres, and uh, we spent our first spring training together. And he, he didn't know anyone, and I really didn't know anyone. So uh, when we were looking for catch partners, we were kind of the last two left, and we thought we both drew the short straw. And now nah, we we uh, maintain a great great relationship. That yes, yeah, still ten years later, he's currently playing in Korea, um, and uh, with the LG Twins and. Yeah, no, that's uh, it's fun that you again you're competing against these guys, but um, it's it's they're just such great great people that they they don't let the competition get in the way of of creating a friendship and um, yeah, I'm just blessed to yeah to be able to spend time around them and see their processes and again understand why that they're still having success to this day in professional baseball. It's really cool to see everybody, you know, kind of develop a relationship with past players. And yeah. It kind of spreads out like a network, as you mentioned, uh, playing over in Korea, different players still playing in the MLB as well. Um, but how is that? What is that like to you? Kind of having friends that just play all over the globe. Uh, it's it's very unique because uh, not that it's. Worse, but when it's kind of like uh, when you see you see the magician and you see their act and you get, Oh wow, this is incredible to see behind the scenes. And you, you realize that these are just normal people who have an incredible work ethic. Um, and yeah, it's, um, it kind of gives you confidence that, uh, whatever you want to pursue in life, it really comes down to the intent, your intent and the intention to detail. And, um, you can really work for whatever goal you have in mind. I think that that's the best feeling is just, yeah, it's that. Yeah, it's these are just normal people who who love something and they they, they pursue that passion for a long time. And yeah, it's awesome. Uh, now, as we mentioned before, you you made the transition into coaching. Now you coach for the San Diego Padres in the minor leagues as well. Uh, yep. Was it difficult to make that transition into coaching after your playing career? Uh, yes and no. I, uh, when I was done playing, I had no reservation, my career ending. I was, and I always knew I was going to get into some type of type of teaching aspect because I, uh, yeah, I studied education, uh, at Arizona state and it's uh, something I'm very passionate about. So I, again, I knew I was going to teach something. Um, and I was just very lucky that an opportunity, um, opened up with the Padres and I just happened to be in the right place at the right time. In fact, uh, the coach at Arizona State, Pat Murphy, who he's not there anymore, uh, he got a job with the Padres after Arizona State and uh, he was at the AAA level and when I was talking to him about, because he, he is, he's kind of a mentor to me, uh, when I was talking to him that, yeah, I'm looking to, to go to the next phase of my, my life. Uh, it was. It happened to be at the same time the Padres were looking to add a fourth coach at their at each minor league level. So traditionally, it's changed since then. But traditionally, it used to be just three coaches at the minor league level. You'd have the manager, the pitching coach, and a hitting coach. And now I think most clubs have adopted this philosophy. But adding a fourth coach to kind of help throw batting practice, help hit the fungos, help with 
analytics, just again, kind of be an extra assistant to uh, to that system. And uh, as I was discussing that, I'm looking to again, yeah, go to the next phase. He floated the idea out that hey, we're looking for a fourth coach. Would you want to coach professional baseball? And um, I can inquire for you. So he did, and um, I'm very thankful that yeah, he he uh, was a very positive reference for me and it, it opened the door to to coach professionally and I just never thought that I'd get a job like that right after uh, I was done playing but um, it was an incredible learning curve it was a steep learning curve um, but uh, nonetheless it, it enabled me to, to hit the ground running post playing career which is something that a lot of players have difficulty with so I'm, again I'm blessed that I, I had him in my corner to, uh, uh, to be an advocate uh, I mean, that sounds like, you know, just a perfect opportunity, especially with the coaching positions open up. But you talked talked about that, obviously, some of the stuff you're doing after. But can you tell us a little bit about what Built Baseball is? Cool. So Built Baseball started as a platform for uh, one-on-one lessons. Uh, while I was – after I was done with the, the Padres in 2000 – well, after I finished coaching with the Padres and I moved on to my next thing, uh, coaching high school baseball in Phoenix, Arizona with the Brophy College Preparatory – I wanted to uh, pursue teaching the game as much as I could, so I started doing one-on-one lessons, and I wanted to create a platform so I could advertise uh, the lessons and the camps that I was doing, so I created Built Baseball, but now it's kind of evolved into how can I help international players uh, pursue their goals and, again, be a stepping stone so that they can learn through some of my experiences and shorten the learning curve for them and uh, kind of my passion right now is to help educate uh, not only Australians but international players on the collegiate system. So uh, most, I know it seems second nature in America, but outside of the States, when you go to university, it's just to go study. There's no college athletics um, outside of America or outside of uh, North America, let's say. So, um, yeah, just un- letting them uh, educating these these high school players that uh, you can pursue sport at a higher level, maintain your amateur status, and if you do get an opportunity to play professionally, start your professional career at the age 21, 22, when you're closer to being um, your final product, but also uh, pursue your goals educationally. I know it's not fun, don't get me wrong. I mean, there's some fun times, but... Um, some, what I've found with athletes is that uh, they want to focus solely on school, but I believe that uh, work-life balance is important, and uh, college was able to shape the person. Uh, a lot of it has to do with the coaches I was around that helped mentor me, but just the, the lifestyle of having to work out, having to compete, having to uh, maintain grades in school was a great initiation to how to be a successful person um, when uh, when you don't have a schedule. I mean, uh, so I, uh, yeah, I'm just, that's, that's my big uh, passion right now is, again, just trying to show these guys what the pathway is to be an international player and get scouted to play uh, collegiately in America and, and why that is such, um, why that's such a healthy decision to make, even though, again, it may seem overwhelming. Right, and that's that's awesome. Obviously, growing the game and you know keeping the players, you know, making them succeed on and off the field. So, 
with that in mind, what's kind of like, you know, your end goal with Built Baseball? When would you say, you know, th- I'm really happy with where it's at? What kind of goals have you set for it? Uh, it would be nice to scale the business in some way, but just trying to find the right platform uh, to do so. I think um, that would be that'd be great. Right now, it's, it's more of a hobby than it is a business. I, uh, I'm thankful that I have some other areas of my life that I'm able to focus on, like my coaching uh, with the Adelaide Giants in the Australian Baseball League. And I also do uh, some some work out. My granddad started a business uh, 32 years ago uh, selling Jayco caravans, and I'm able to do some work out there. Uh, so again, I've kind of diversified my uh, working portfolio. But I think, uh, yeah, if I could get to a position where, uh, yeah, I can scale built, um, I guess... I don't necessarily know what my, I don't really have a five-year plan with the business, but I would Neither like do we. to, <laughs> perfect, perfect, imagination, that's the key to success, uh, so yeah, just, hey, it can expand whatever way, but uh, I think it would be a neat aspect if I could uh, go scout international high school players um, globally and go educate them about kind of a little bit backstory of what I did, but um, how they too can, again, get scouted no matter where they are, and then maybe even take uh, a team of high school kids over to America uh, to play in some college tournaments to get scouted. I think that would be uh, that'd be a neat little experience. Right. And obviously, you know, what you've said here today and what I've read about Built Baseball, I think I speak for all of us when I say, you know, it's really cool what you're doing there. And so with that, I think that wraps up everything we had. Josh Spence, thanks for being on the show. But before we let you go, I have two more questions, and neither one of them are going to rack your brain the way we have the rest of the show. Ah, no worries. <laughs> Too easy. And so since I think, uh, since I'm under the belief that you think we're funny, at least I am, hopefully, um, <laughs> I'm going to ask you this one, which I've gone back and forth on all day about asking you. Um, are there any Australian stereotypes that just you really want to dispel right now publicly with a bunch of American college students listening to this show? Oh, gosh. Um, well, me personally, the, the hardest um, stereotype I had to shake was drinking because I'm, I'm really not much of a drinker. I'm quite, kind of quite a lightweight, to be honest with you. So I think, uh, yeah, when I was introduced and was going to parties there was this big expectation that this Australian's going to come drink us under the table and uh, <laughs> no that that wasn't the case case for me um, but it's funny that you, you talk about stereotypes because I played with another Australian in uh, at Central Arizona the junior college I went to his name's Joe Anson he was a left-handed pitcher as well and uh, what was really funny is that we knew when the other person was lying so uh we actually, we probably didn't help ourselves with stereotypes because whenever we got asked questions about Australia, the other person knew when you were lying. And then it was like this big competition. How can we one up each other in this lie to make it as ridiculous as possible? So um, <laughs> I, I think, uh, yeah, the, the drinking aspect's an interesting one. No, we don't. Uh, Foster's isn't a huge drink over here. It's... um. It's very well advertised in the States, but um, no one really drinks Fosters here. Um, gosh, I guess uh, to kind of shed some light, I, there's a st- there was a story going around in college that I had a pet kangaroo named Skippy. Um, <laughs> so I just, just want to dispel that rumor now just in case it's still lingering. But no, I never had a pet kangaroo. And 
Um, oh gosh, no, I, I think, uh, I think, yeah, the media does a good job at, at building those stereotypes, but, uh, no, we're, it's a very, uh, it's very a Westernized culture. Actually, it's, um, it's very similar to America, except we drive on the other side of the road. Um, but yeah, we're very sports oriented people. We love food. We love, uh, we love, uh, competition and, um, yeah, we love a good time. I think we all like a good time. <laughs> Hopefully you've had a good one here. Um, oh, great one. And oh, we love to hear that. Uh, lastly, um, we talked about Built Baseball, what you're working on now, obviously, for the later portion of the show. But is there anything else you want to promote here before we let you go? Oh, gosh. Um, well, if anyone wants to talk baseball and uh, if there's a, if I can be a stepping stone towards them, uh, feel free to hit me up, builtbaseball.com. But uh, outside of that... Uh, yeah, if, if there's just any any questions, I'm I'm more than happy to help. I'm I'm pretty open open minded, and uh, I love talking baseball. And right now, it's it's very hard to do so uh, in isolation. So, uh, yeah, you'd be doing me a favor reaching out. So, um, but outside of that, I'll, I appreciate the opportunity. But um, no, just thank you very much for allowing me to to chat with you guys. I really appreciate the invite, and I've had a great time. Well, we obviously thank you for coming on, our first pro-athlete guest. So uh, it's a milestone for us, so we definitely appreciate you taking the time to be here. Um, Gal O'Connor, if you have anything else to say, uh, chime in. And if not, uh, Josh Spence, definitely a big thank you for coming on and taking the time out of your, I think it's morning in Australia right now. Starting your morning off with some American college kids uh, picking your mind for a couple minutes. (laughs) All right, well, this has been the Strided Sports Podcast for Nick. Tyler Connor and our guest Josh Spence. Thank you for listening. We will see you next week.